Hello, and welcome to Achievement Hunting 101. This is level 256. I am Big Al, and with me today is Kushmos. Thanks for introducing me. You're welcome. <laughs> My job here is done. Oh, no, we have more people. Matrock. Hello. I guess thanks for introducing me, too. I guess. I guess you're welcome. And last but not least, uh, filling in for Fufu Cuddly Poof, who's probably watching like Guardians 3 again on tape delay, is Wild West. Hello. No introduction needed. Whoa. But I already introduced you. <laughs> oh. If I messed up this earlier, I guess I just have to go. This isn't fair. This stuff will actually get edited out this time. That's no good. <laughs> edit while we wa- edit while we uh, tape. Oh, edit live? Alright, let's see. Scissor. Um glue. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, do any of this stuff. Save that for the pros. Speaking of Prozac, um, Wild West, how you doing, man? I heard you were on a big vacation. I was. I was spending all my money and laying on the beach and going to Universal Studios and Whoa. came back and now I need to work like, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, like whatever it is and get all that money back because that was, as you said, with 10 daughters needing stuff, I had to. <laughs> had to go out and get a bunch of stuff so no it was a lot of fun a lot of fun I mean and where do you normally live I live in Texas so we okay and the beaches there are um, different than the ones in Florida they are no one really sings about Texas beaches so we go to Florida. <laughs> hear about people singing about California beaches and Florida beaches for a reason. So, really, yeah, we went to uh, Clearwater Beach for a couple days, and that was really, really fun. I'd recommend that for anybody that's looking for a nice, family-friendly beach. And then uh, went to Legoland and Universal Studios and drink a bunch of butter beer and. Oh, nice. So, got the good stuff right from the Clear water, Florida. I don't think anyone would go if it was called, like, muddy water, but I don't know if that's a misnomer or not. That's true, but it's not muddy water anyways. It's The peach is clear, so... That's beautiful. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, did you come back sandy? I did. Are you... Are you yeah. I did, which, when you're a parent, Cause, it's cause not this... fun to get sand out of stuff. Yeah. All right, well, thank you for joining us this week. And the question this week, something that was your brainchild. Did you want to read it for us? Yeah. Uh, So I, as you all know, I'm a big Alan Wake fan. um, And with the new game that's coming out, I know there have been kind of some rumblings from the gameplay they've shown and the CGI trailer they showed that you might be playing as a, another detective for part of the game um, i've heard rumors it's up to maybe 50 percent so 
Uh, I was talking with Al about this, and I said, with Alan Wake on the horizon, uh, where the game has you playing as a different character, does that make you more or less excited for a beloved sequel if too much has changed from the original? And what sequels have you excitedly tried or actively avoided because too much was different from the original? Wow. That is a good question. So, yeah, I was kind of interested to hear what, what people have to say about that. Okay, well, I'll let you sit on... Uh, we'll sit on some Alan Wake talk for a minute. Okay. And we'll go to some patron responses. Uh, Michelle, would you like to read the first couple? Sure, I'll start off here. So um, I'm going to start by reading Mental Knight's answer, because I'm uh, not sure I quite understand it, but maybe one of you folks can enlighten me. Uh, I'm sure I bought it, but I don't think I ever bothered with Onimusha 3. Wasn't tempted by the ability to play as Gene Reno. Bizarre decision to capture the European market. So... Um... I know what he's talking about. Okay. Because I don't. It's uh, uh, Jean Reno, who is better known as, uh, from that movie, The Professional, Leon the Professional. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he was a playable character or if he was a voice actor. Because as far as I know, Onimusha is a Japanese fighting game. Is is Jean Reno more popular in the European market? I just watched that Probably. movie the other day, actually. The professional, Leon the Professional. Oh, okay. You watched it? Yeah. Would this have motivated you is. to get Onimusha 3? No, because I'd have to actually look what it is. I, <laughs> I honestly have never heard of that game before, so <laughs> plus if it's a fighting game, that's just... Mm-hmm. Fighting games are kind of like my least favorite genre. Not a big fighting game person. But. Understood. Well, second up, I'm going to read an answer. Okay, it's, oh, it's, go ahead. It's, oh, no. It's it's more of a hack and yeah, slash. Yeah, I was going to say, before we get yelled at, we should probably... Okay. <laughs> I do like hack and slash. Game, so. hack and slash. Yeah. Okay. And looking at the cover, John Reno's right there on the cover. I never knew about this. Hmm. Hmm. See, we're all learning. And he's playing Jacques. I had forgotten about it. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> thank you, Mental, for teaching us things. <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, I bought this game 20 years ago. <laughs> but on the other side, I'm uh, going to read the answer that Chewy on Ice provided, because this is one that actually came to my mind as well. Uh, after hearing how much they strayed from the core survival horror L- experience into more action territory with Dead Space 3... I have consistently avoided it because that decision was such a disappointment. Yes, I did end up bean diving it, but it's very low on the priority list to go back to. I'm pleased the remake has gone back to the source and seems to have done well. So here's hoping they learn their lesson for whatever comes next for the franchise. Um, And insofar as Xbox games, this time in video games went, that was my immediate thought was Dead Space 3 because I loved the first two Dead Space games. And I never, I own Dead Space 3, um, but I never really tried it. Uh, but some of that, I like they added a co-op element and there's all this other stuff. And I wasn't sure if I was feeling that. But I actually had a, a different answer for a game where uh, the sequel changed way too much from the original. And it's way earlier than Xbox. But there was no qualifier that it had to be an Xbox game. Uh, and that would be mm-hmm. ActRaiser. 
ActRaiser initially came out on the Super Nintendo. It was like baby's first simulation game. And in between the simulation components, there would be action components, uh, like platformer components, where you'd have to just run through these little levels. And uh, those would sort of frame the games. But the sim part was really what was interesting about it. So when ActRaiser 2 came out and it was on the shelf at my local video rental store, I was super excited to play it until I played it and saw that it was entirely the platformer elements from ActRaiser 1 with no sim components. Super disappointing. Now that said, the platforming isn't terrible in ActRaiser 2. It's a competent platformer. But man, that just was not what I wanted when I was anticipating another ActRaiser. So that would be my answer to your question. Man, that's a good answer, Michelle. Thank you. And, uh, and ActRaiser 2 was also very hard. Yes, it was. Compared to the first one. It was. And it has been released somewhat Ooh. recently-ish on the Switch. I believe there was an ActRaiser uh, remake or, or remastered or something like that that had been released. Yeah. Uh, but man, the game really, like, the, the sim components were really what was so fun about it. The whole sequel is just like, nah. They didn't mm-hmm. need that part. Nope. All right. Now I'm going to go next and read an answer from Hawkeye Barry. If I really liked the original, I'm going to play the sequel no matter what. If a change was made that I didn't like, it might not cause me to buy it day one, but I'll still play it. The game that comes to mind the most is The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. I hated the art style, turned me off in every way. Eventually bought and played the game. It was fine, but still hated the look. All right, that's uh, an interesting one. That was a really common... Uh, The art style of that game for anyone. Yeah, that was a really common feeling about that game when the first screenshots came out. You know, Zelda and... Like, I feel like that game is one that people have warmed up to with time. But I remember there being a lot of pushback initially. Yeah, it was cel-shaded. And I think that was a big thing at the time. Um, Jack Ryan Radio had that graphic style. I'm trying to remember some others, but... I think it was it was the new hotness. Mm-hmm. By the time Borderlands did it, it was kind of old hat already. Um, but that's an interesting, uh, qualifier, the, the graphics, the art style. I don't know if, uh, that was what Wild West had in mind, but it could be for any reason, I imagine. Yeah. That's a good answer. I like it. All right. And what the fug said, Toe Jam and Earl 2, Panic on Funkotron. I loved the first game and how it played, and they turned two into a platformer, and it could have just been any other game. Huh. See, I've never played the second game, so I didn't know it was a platformer. I would have assumed it was the same. Has anyone else played that one? Not the sequel, no. No, me neither. I played the original, but... That was, uh... Not that one. Genesis title, I'm sure. So we're given lots of old answers. <laughs> uh, for me, this is a tough one because 
you know, when sequels are announced, you want more of what you liked in the first game. But if it strays too far, you might get annoyed. But if it it's exactly the same, you might get annoyed. So it's a tough, tough balance to hit. So something like Gears 4, for example, had the same exact gameplay as Gears 1 through 3, but had some character changes. Um, and then you had, like, you know, insert Halo game here, where you're used to seeing Master Chief, but if he's not the main character, does it matter? Because it's still the Halo gameplay. Well, wasn't that the case with Halo 2? Like, doesn't that switch perspectives? Yeah, you could and that, be the bad guy sometimes, yeah, right? You play as the I Arbiter like, for like half the game. And that one's well regarded, you know, among Halo games. It's not that... I, the gameplay didn't change significantly, as I recall. But... Um, but yeah, that didn't make people care less for it, I don't think. Yeah, so Wild West, is it okay if it's a spin-off type of game or a numbered sequel? No, I mean either I think either answer would be worth talking about. I was just kind of curious what you when you were saying about Gears 4, uh a lot of the film and video games nowadays are kind of doing kids of past generations. If you like that, if you think it brings something good to you know the newer games or if you just like to play as the older characters that you've been playing with the whole time um for me i thought it was fine you know you had a trilogy with the same people and then you had judgment which um took that in a different direction so yeah i was glad to to see some different characters in four and keep the core gameplay the same. I, so for me, I'm cool with it. I think with Gears, though, I feel like with Gears 4, the best part of the game, in my opinion, was like Chapter 5 when you were back with like your old crew. It really took until Gears 5 until those new characters really felt like they came into their own, which is just a storytelling thing, right? The first is always a bunch of setup. And then you finally get into it. So I, I don't remember if you had kind of the same takeaway, L. But I, I seem to remember the takeaway from the first was, well, it was more of the same with new characters who were less interesting. But it got good at the end when the more interesting characters we liked were around. But that five definitely was able to shed that because, the, again, the characters really became their own deal. It took a bit. I mean, that's what happens. It's like, it's like when you take your favorite band and then the new album comes out mm-hmm. and you're like, eh. And then after a few listens, you, you get into it. I think that's probably what's going to happen with Gears 4. Like, you're like, oh, this isn't my my gang. Oh, yeah, I think, you know, it, I guess it kind of depends on how you either listen or view the the game or music or whatever like if you know some people say oh I, I wish they would do something different they're just doing the same thing all the time and then they mm-hmm. do something different and you're like well i want them to yep. go back to the same thing because exactly. i don't like this new thing and exactly. so because people like to complain yeah but both things could be true as long as it's not the same exact people saying both <laughs> yeah 
people always rag on Nickelback for every song sounding the same, but they've sold a bazillion albums, so yeah. You must be doing something right. It's one of those guilty pleasures people like, but they won't admit. Mm. <laughs> yep. All right, Kush, your turn. Oh, thank you. Uh, X the Hero says, I know I'll love it once I finally play it, but I've avoided Final Fantasy XV because of the bros go on a vacation <laughs> plotline. I've actually avoided story spoilers for however many years it's been now, so I'm sure it goes deeper, but I like my RPGs to have some sense of urgency to them. It gets me excited for the plot. Uh, Mr. Rowe, also known as Freaky Rowe. Wait a minute, wait a minute, What's wait that? a minute. Let's delve into this here. Oh. So I'm a big Final Fantasy fan, but I have not played 15 yet. But X, come on, like this actually seems like a different type of game. How many RPGs do you need to, you know, save the damsel or, uh, you know, learn some magic? This seems like a different way to go. So is bros going on vacation, like, boring? Like, I don't get it. Seems cool to me. Road trip. Road trip. <laughs> Never heard that one before. That's good. All right. Well, play it X and let me know how it is so I can uh, play it. Maybe. So we're not getting 16. So this might be our last hurrah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Freaky Row, as he's known, says, I can name several sequels I like better because they're different. Zelda 2, Castlevania 2, and Super Mario Brothers 2, those three games are nothing alike. And all are substantially different than the first games, but still good games. For me, I prefer games to try new and different mechanics, characters, etc. I know it's not the popular opinion, but I enjoy change in IPs. Otherwise, it's the same old thing. Fusion Frenzy 2, however, is garbage and needs to be forgotten for all time. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, so uh, Zelda 2, I know people... Um, yeah, a lot of people oh boy. they comment on that. I thought it was fine. Whatever, it was different. Um, Castlevania 2, I don't really remember that being too different. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 2, yeah. I think in Zelda and Super Mario Brothers, I think that was because they were supposed to be different games, and then people were like, no, let's wrap a familiar skin on it, <laughs> and we'll go with that. I thought that's how those ones worked. But um, for me... Uh, it was hard to think of Xbox games for for some reason. Um, what came to mind immediately after thinking about it for half an hour was <laughs> Ratchet and Clank mm -hmm. up your arsenal. Mm. Now, if you recall, this is of course it's on that other gaming system. Um, Ratchet and Clank up your arsenal. I believe it's the third game in the Ratchet and Clank uh, series, and uh, rather than being an extensive single player campaign. Uh, this one had a very short single-player campaign, and then it had a whole bunch of uh, kind of like arena-based levels, and it was like a, a multiplayer shooter. Um, very different than your standard Ratchet and & Clank, and for me, it was just kind of like, ugh, but I still played it, obviously, uh, <laughs> the whole thing, because um, I do love Ratchet & Clank, but I just remember thinking, ugh, that was, I'd, I'd like to not see that again. And then, of course, uh, the next game that they had on the main console was back to the, uh, the regular formula. Um, and then for Xbox, I was just, I was flipping through the TA series and the one that stuck out to me 
uh, as being the most egregious, the biggest shift uh, was Super Meat Boy. Um, so Super Meat Boy was, you know, a challenging uh, platformer, uh, really tough. Um, and then the, the sequel to that, which came out m- much later, uh, was Super Meat Boy Forever, which is kind of a, the same thing, but an auto runner where it goes left to right. And as soon as you hit a wall, you go the other way. Like if you jump to a wall, you jump off that wall, you start running the opposite direction. And very different, just a, a huge shift in like uh, how your brain functions uh, and how you have to solve uh, those levels because you can't, you know, you can't control where you're going now. Um, yeah, but so so in that case, yeah, both these are kind of negative for me. Um, although, you know, I, like I said, I just jumped into Super Meat Boy Forever just to kind of check it out. And yeah, it's just kind of it breaks my brain. Uh, to have to think because I don't play a whole lot of those left to right things. <laughs> uh, I mean, Rayman had some like that, but they were called books. They're a little different. Rayman Fiesta Run. Classic. Yeah, Fiesta Run. There was another one too, I thought. Jungle Run? Uh, probably Jungle Run. Yeah, yeah. Those are on the computer. They were cute. But good good call on Fusion Frenzy 2 being uh, garbage, Mr. Freaky <laughs> Row. All right, Wild West, your turn. Yeah, uh, so MDP73 says, Metal Gear Solid 2 is probably my most played game of all time. A lot of people didn't like that. You played the majority of the campaign as Raiden and not a snake, but I loved it. It's funny because I played Metal Gear Solid 2 a ton, but I've yet to finish the campaign in Metal Gear Solid 3 because they changed too much and I can never get into it. Is there anybody here? I, I'm hmm. not a big Metal Gear fan, but I played the free one, but that's about it. I played both those so, games. Um, um, those are... Go ahead. Movies, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I I think it's been so long since I've played... Metal Gear Solid 1 or 2. Um, but I definitely have more solid memories of Metal Gear Solid 1. And I think some of it came down to um, Snake and Raiden play differently. So they, they just, they feel different mechanically, if if I recall correctly. But again, it's it's been a, a long, long time since I played them. But I enjoyed them both. I played the third one as well, and I didn't like it quite as much but i i thought they were they were both good but the character of raiden was pretty unlikable for some folks um and some of that's just kind of presentation like i seem to remember like where where snake was like you know this kind of cool and he's got this like gravelly voice of of you know a hardened agent or whatever raiden was this sort of like whiny teenager type character in in a lot of his presentation and i think that turned people off as much as anything but this is totally me scraping you know memories from over 20 years ago i i I, not 100 for sure so i look forward to seeing people correct me in discord when this releases yeah i don't really have a lot of experience with i mean i know the game i know a lot of people like it but I couldn't really tell you if there was a tonal shift between two and three at all. If people liked it or didn't. 
Uh, Westlander Joe says, to me, if they can still draw me in with an inspiring narrative, I don't typically care too much who, what I'm playing as. Last of Us 2 was a game where I kind of felt like I wasn't playing as the character from the first game as much because they have a long stretch in the middle as another character. But overall, they still provided an interesting narrative and arc for each character you play, and it won me over for that. So it can be done well, and I'm not worried about Alan Wake 2 because if any game should be about the story, it's Alan Wake. Mm-hmm. Well said. Because the gameplay sucks. Well... Uh. <laughs> Can't I want to hear Wild West really defend it. Come on, buddy. Well, I'm not going to say it's the best <laughs> gameplay ever, but I, I like the game a lot. <laughs> Everything's subjective. You don't like it? That's fine. We can kick you off the podcast right now and talk about Alan <laughs> oh, Wake for the next hour. <laughs> no. Thank goodness. There's sandwiches to be had. <laughs> uh, I don't have a lot of experience with Last of Us 2. I have both those games, but I haven't set up my PlayStation in the new house yet, so I haven't... Uh, played them mm-hmm. so i don't really know much about it i watched the first mm-hmm. season of the show and i liked it so i'm excited for where they go with that but that's about as much your as fake old tag that <laughs> me and my daughter's tag yes <laughs> uh so yeah i mean initially my thought for Trophies. this was for alan wake too um i was kind of surprised uh giving the ending of alan wake one that people were kind of not happy that you might not play as much on Alan Wake or as Alan Wake in number two, just because of the way the story ended. I mean, you kind of have to, um, especially, and then, and then it even goes further with, uh, the DLC and control that, you know, that Alan Wake's in trouble. (laughs) And so, uh, I'm excited to see kind of how they bring it together. Uh, I really liked the first game quite a bit. Uh, the other game that I had thought of that L mentioned earlier a little bit was Halo five. Um, I know that gets kind of a bad rap because oh. you play as Jameson Locke uh, in there. And uh, I think people knew they were going to be playing as Locke, but when you got to the actual game, it was quite different from what kind of was portrayed beforehand to what you actually did. And so people were like, okay, well, you're only playing as Master Chief for I don't know, 30%, 40% of the game. And they thought it'd be more than that, and which I can understand. I thought it brought an interesting perspective to it instead of just okay this is halo 5 you've been playing as master chief for four games now let's try something a little different but they didn't it didn't go over well um another game that came to mind as well for me was red dead redemption you know the first yep first game he played you know is john marston the second one's a prequel to it and john marston's there but this is all stuff that happened beforehand and you play as arthur morgan and so it's it's similar plus it's just the game is you know got to be 10 times bigger in red dead 2 than red dead 1 so there wasn't as as much to do in in the first one versus the the second one but uh i think if if you can do it right i think it doesn't matter if you're playing as a different person as long as kind of like what westlander said if if you're bringing a good narrative if you're bringing a good story with it that should take precedence over you know that character that you really like but that's kind of the, the view that I have. Hmm. I think I remember uh, Dead Rising 2, you played as a different character also. Yeah, you do. Chuck Chuck Green? Yep. As opposed to uh, Frank West in the first game. And yeah. <laughs> there was resistance there. I feel like... For yeah. sure, because Frank was, you know, he's this... Yeah. 
kind of in in some ways like a a very very a typical Japanese male antagonist or protagonist type of character. Uh, and Chuck was like, you know, dad to a little girl trying to save her from the zombie apocalypse. But they both work well. They both have a real distinct sort of feel to them. And you kind of root for them both in different ways. And then they had the DLC that brought Frank into two, if I recall correctly. So it all worked out in the end. Yeah, and I would think, you know, one of the biggest games on the planet every couple of years is Assassin's Creed. And they bring in different characters each time. And the overarching narrative is kind of similar other than, you know, when they did that kind of reboot a couple, you know, about 10 years ago with Origins. But, you know, they bring in the characters, they bring in different or different characters, different environments. And, you know, for the most part, people seem to enjoy exploring different areas of that. So, And this uh, one, Kush, when you were mentioning earlier Ratchet and Clank, uh, I was thinking of another uh, big Sony franchise, which is Jack and Daxter, which had a big tonal shift between two and three. So the gameplay was similar, mm-hmm. but in the first two, I had, you know, Jack's a silent character, and it's all very, you know, it, there's there's a story going on, but it's pretty lighthearted. And then in the third game, like, Daxter starts to talk, and it gets dark, and he's, like, like angsty. Or, like, the Prince of Persia games that came out uh, in the Xbox 360 generation, the first one that came out where he was basically kind of like Prince of Persia meets Aladdin, and then in later ones where it was a much you know darker, more lone wolf type, uh, and and it's in the context of this discussion, like you don't know a tonal shift like that is coming necessarily until you're in the game. Uh, but I remember, like I distinctly remember that about both of those games, that tonal shift. And I remember in both cases being like, oh, I missed the happier version. <laughs> like this is too much. I play games for escapism, and I have a limited uh, bandwidth for stuff that gets too too dark. All right. Any other answers anyone could think of before we wrap this up? No, I don't think so. Good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm happy for you that you're excited about Alan Week 2. Yeah, I can't wait. I just remember... um, I remember getting frustrated, like... From what I remember, the gameplay was fine, but like if you died, the checkpoints were not very friendly from what I remember. And I never even got to play the Nightmare mode to finish up the rest of the manuscripts because I found the regular playthrough not that easy. So that might have just been a, a me thing. Yeah, they were... And then there was a couple of achievements where you had to like go from point A to point B in a certain amount of time. And I remember getting frustrated by those also. Yeah. So I never did the DLC and I never did the nightmare mode. So I do want to get back to it. DLC was good. Uh, yeah, there's, I think, I know the achievements you're talking about. And one of them can be a little bit frustrating because I think the time it's, can't really skip stuff. So you have to kind of watch. You can skip the cutscenes, mm-hmm. but there's still some like in game parts where you have to listen and watch. You can't skip that. So, but I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, if they make quality of life changes to the gameplay and the story remains the same or on the same quality, it should be a real winner. Yeah. All right. I wanted to quickly go over a news item. 
that is good news for once, and it's achievement-related. And this is for Gears of War 3 and Gears of War Judgment. A couple of discontinued achievements are now available. And uh, this is the uh, Socialite achievement in Gears of War 3 and the Golden Artifacts achievement from Gears of War Judgment. Now, I believe in Gears of War 3, they're just going to make it so everybody gets uh, 29 of 30 event ribbons, and then if you play the current event, you should get Socialite. So I would jump on that now. And then the brought the map uh, back in rotation for Forces of Nature. You have to have a gold uh, primary weapon and secondary weapon and skin. And you need to find a full team of those same people. So we should probably open up something in... Uh, General boosting, maybe a gears thread, real quick, and that would be a cool one to get because I don't have that one, and I know a lot of people that don't have that one, and I know there's a, a way to get uh, the gold stuff quicker. You get those through loot boxes, and I believe if you have the disc and you clear the cache and don't play with any updates, you can do that quicker. That's all in the solution on TA. But there's also a way to do it a different way also if you don't want to mess with that or if you don't have the disc. But just the fact that this is this is not Gears 4 and Gears 5. This is the Xbox 360 games they are still fixing. And Gears of War 3 also, they increased your XP rate also. And um, that's pretty crazy to do all these years later. So thank you, Coalition. Yeah, I know in past games they'd usually do that right before the new one came out just to get everyone, you know, let everyone get whatever they wanted to get before the new one. So I'm surprised it took so long to do that. I mean, generally speaking, you forget about the old stuff. But, like, yeah, yeah I mean, I actually still need those in Gears 3, the, uh, the re-ups. Yeah, me so too. They didn't say they didn't say how... Uh, what the uh, XP boost is, they just said it's increased. Yeah, I'd have to look at that because I, I, I need the same thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's just nice to get some good news every now and again instead of just the server closures. All right, to the game showcase. We will start with Kushmos. Alrighty. I'm going to talk about a game that's not in Game Pass. Uh, I doubt you guys have ever heard of it. <laughs> it's called Fire Girl Hack and Splash Rescue DX. As opposed to the non-DX version. Oh. <laughs> Hack and Splash. That's clever. Hack and Splash. Because uh, that's what you do. Um, you play as a Fire Girl... Uh, and you have uh, an axe and you have a hose, uh, like a portable backpack type thing. And um, it's listed as action adventure on TA. I would like to, I would like to file a complaint uh, and a, a change.org <laughs> petition to get this changed mm-hmm. to uh, Rogue Light um, because this game actually Whoa. plays like a roguelite. light. Um, as you go through. Uh, 
these randomly generated levels, uh, you earn money uh, for completing the job and rescuing um, any number of uh, people that might be trapped in the building. Uh, it starts out uh, basic, and the game gets harder and harder. They, they add uh, more and more uh, enemy types, and just the, the length of the level increases um, as, as the game goes on. Um, if you don't complete the level successfully, if you die uh, or um, run out of water and then die, uh, you will be charged, uh, number one, for going to the hospital. So that you'll have some money deducted from mm-hmm, your account mm-hmm. for that. Uh, and you'll get a little bit of money for um, completing. But uh, so you, you could you could go negative uh, if you don't uh, do very well. But like I said, it starts out pretty easy. You're going to be able to complete the levels. Um, you can then spend that cash that you get on a number of upgrades. And as you're um, rescuing some of these uh, these people, some of them will come work for you at the fire station, provided you have enough money to hire them one time, you know. Because that's how hiring works. You pay someone <laughs> one time, and they work for you forever. Um, so yeah. you can get a publicist, and that publicist <laughs> will work on your uh, your online uh, profile, your social profile, and they will get you uh, more followers. But they'll also get you a better uh, percentage uh, reward based on the number of followers. So I think for every person you rescue um, that, that comes to work for you, I think you can change the, uh, you can do like two different types of boosts. Uh, you can, you know, um, in, in one case for this publicist, it's, you know, uh, I get uh, more, um, I guess, followers for rescues. Uh, and then I get a higher percentage reward for the number of rescuers I have. So those are the two things you can pay for. Um, the first thing you're going to want to pay for is a better axe. Because the axe does take a long time to smash things uh, right away. And you also want to add more water to your tank so that you can uh, make it through the levels a little bit better. Um, I would recommend that you work on your uh, your axe and your water first. And then you go to that publicist because that's how you're going to make uh, all your money. And that's how you're going to make the game go by quickly. Um, TA says it's a five to six hour estimate. It took me five and a half hours. So they pretty much nailed it uh, for me, at least. Um Nice. While you're playing, uh, like I said, it's randomly generated. Um, it's got this weird kind of, um, I mean, it's a side to side, but they kind of change the angle just a little bit. It's almost like you're wearing 3D glasses uh, when you're when you're watching this character run across the screen and do things. Um, it's not as much fun, uh, arcadey fun as I was as hoping uh, when I first got this game, but. I just kind of stuck with it. <laughs> it. It wasn't the best action, but I couldn't stop playing it. Uh, I couldn't stop just going back and just doing one more, hmm. just doing one more, just to kind of get those little upgrades um, and, and make it through. Uh, the achievements, let's see, there are 21 of them, uh, and they are for a little bit of progression, um, doing certain things like rescuing a, a pet without taking damage or doing an entire mission without taking damage. Uh, breaking 50 objects in one single mission. So, you know, kind of situational-based things. And they may not be possible due to the random nature of the levels, the way they're stitched together. But eventually, as your character gets stronger and stronger, uh, it's going to be easier and easier to pull off those those um, those ones that might seem difficult at first. Uh, there are also achievements for finding specific cats. Now, these cats uh, are random uh 
to show up in certain um, levels and or level types. They won't always be on a level. You kind of have to keep an eye out for them. Uh, by the end of the game, uh, I, I had only found one of the three or four cats. So I had to like look up um, on uh, the internet where they might be because no one else had you know, met, put this into TA. So I think I was, I was looking off of the Steam solution to figure out how to do it. Um, and that kind of helped me. I, I knew what level to look for. I knew kind of like where in the level they might be. Uh, like one cat is in uh, like very low on some fire escapes in like a city level. Uh, and then the, uh, the, the other cat is really high up in this hotel level. Um, so given those kind of hints, uh, you, can, you can find them. Uh, you just have to get the, the roll of the dice to, to come to you. Um, but yeah, um, it's basically it's a roguelite. I wouldn't say action adventure. You're going to be disappointed. Um, and that's Fire Girl Hack and Splash Rescue DX. All right. So I see the game doesn't even come out for two more days. That's there's not already true. Uh, there's already eighty people that have completed it. That can't possibly be true. I think oh, that's no. You might a want to look game. up the year it came out. <laughs> yeah, it's a different game. Oh, oh, different no, year. it came out. Oh wait, June twenty second. Different year. There we go. Different year. I'm, t- I'm yeah. tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. I was, I was I looking like, oh, at that. I was like, wow, it doesn't come out for two more days. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I I was mean, like, Nate is a time traveler. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm that looking at the achievement list and I see um, the most difficult achievement or the highest ratio achievement because the game's only tracked by 400 or so people. So uh, the ratios probably aren't completely indicative of difficulty is to unlock all the medals. What are the medals for? for? Is that like for hitting certain the medals are pretty much for the other achievements there's like i think there's like nine of them in total um and they kind of pick and choose from from some of the other ones like finding each cat so each one of those cats is a medal um each one of the kind of situational things like extinguishing 100 fire monsters in a single uh, single mission without getting hit is one um Mm -hmm. and so yeah they they uh they kind of pick and choose from the other achievements i'm pretty sure that each one of those is an achievement and uh once you get all of those you'll unlock all the medals okay and the medals give you little bonuses so like i think um i think for completing a mission without using uh, a refill on your, on your uh, backpack. I think that actually makes your backpack stronger. So, so as you complete those, they make you stronger. And by the end of the game, you know, you'll be able to, you'll be able to beat these things. It's <clears throat> if you just keep upgrading, you're, you're eventually going to be able to do it. The, the other thing I just want to point out here, I'm looking at information on fire girl on true achievements and they have an interview with the developer. And the very first question, Nate, you have to cite this to ta when you argue about the classification of the genre the first question is what is fire girl hack and slash rescue dx and the answer is fire girl hack and slash rescue dx is a roguelite action adventure and platformer game so i think you need to quote this (laughs) and submit this to the uh, genre challenge team so they can update the genre based on both your experience and the actual words from the developer that was interviewed on ta itself there you go. Strongly worded forum post incoming. All right. Good. Good. <laughs> Please screen capture that and share that with the class later. Yeah, I mean, based on this title, I don't expect too much from this, but looking at some video clips, uh, this looks not, not horrible. 
Yeah, I mean the art that's style kind of sold kinda me pretty. on it, and I was like, "Ooh, this yeah, this, that's that's you." Yeah, I like. I mean, well, it's you know, it's not exactly my art style, but it's close enough um, <sighs> that uh, that I was expecting this to be the right kind of action for me. Um, and it, I thought it'd be darker, but it's not. Yeah, it wasn't quite what I wanted it to be, but it was good enough. And then, like I said, I found myself continuing to play it, even though I was like, oh, this isn't the best. Like, I really wish the jumping was better. And, uh, but yeah, uh, I, <laughs> I could not stop playing it. All right. That's good. And congrats on the completion. And there you go. Oh, I'm going to do one last foo question. Uh, seventeen ninety nine here. Uh, yeah, don't pay that much. Uh, <laughs> looks like it's been on sale for as low as seven nineteen. Seven nineteen at a fair price. I I think seven nineteen's in the ballpark. Yeah, I wouldn't be that upset if I spent, you know, like seven bucks. Yeah, that's not too bad. I mean, people pay five dollars for. Uh, Way shorter experience, so seven seems fair. I mean, for that five is true. Six hours. Yeah, you could get a garbage one thousand uh, for less than yeah. that, and uh, but but not by much, and you'd have a better time with this, I would think. Needs more splashing. All right, that was a uh, fire girl hack and splash rescue DX. That's fun to say. Michelle, what are you bringing to us this week? I am talking about some DLC. So as I had mentioned way back early in the year in one of our January episodes, my big focus right now with my gaming has been trying to get to 80% completion. Uh, It's a number I've wanted to hit for a while since my first bean dive, and I'm getting there. I'm at 78.9%. I think I started the year just having hit 78. I don't know that I'll make it by the end of 2023, but I'm making good progress. So one way to continue, there, there are really two ways to make progress on your completion. It's either to put a whole bunch of new games that you know you're going to complete on your tag until eventually you just add enough that your completion goes up or to go back and try to clean up the things you left behind. And that's mostly what I've been doing thanks to uh, stuff that random to-do list picks for me. And one game that's come up quite a bit that I keep ignoring is Shantae Half-Genie Hero. Um, This is not the Metroidvania version, sorry. This is the traditional platformer, and the base game is quite good. I played it, you know, some time ago, enjoyed my time with it, but had pretty much felt like, you know what, I'm I'm good here. I don't, I I did what I'm going to do in the main game. But there are a couple different pieces of DLC. There's the uh, Pirate Queen's Quest, the costume pack and the friends to the end dlc so specifically i'm talking about the friends to the end dlc but to speak about one dlc is to speak about all dlc and therein lies the problem for the shantae extra content um on one hand it's interesting so in the uh pirate queen's quest which i have not played yet so this is my understanding you take on the role of the game's antagonist risky boots in Friends to the End, which is the one I've been playing, uh, there are three companions that Shantae has throughout the quest. You don't play as them in the core game, but they are present throughout the story. Uh, Bolo, Sky, and Roddy Tops. And you play as the three of them. And I'll get into their different mechanics in just a second. And in the costume pack DLC, 
Shantae has four different costumes, which have slightly differing effects depending on the costume. So one is a swimsuit. And in that version, you have to collect sunscreen every 10 seconds or so, or the character will start to get sunburn and lose health. Uh, there's an officer, a ninja, and I don't remember the last one offhand. Oh, pajamas. So th these sound interesting on the surface that there's all these different game types and they have slightly different mechanics. The problem is everything is based on exactly the same level designs that existed in the core game. And sometimes these new gameplay mechanics are interesting. So for example, in the officer mode, uh, most of the enemies are removed and the officer, you can press the B button and it'll make platform platforms appear or disappear. That's okay. But others are less so. So like the sunburn mode where you know, you're already dealing with all the platforms, you have a limited amount of life, and oh no, you couldn't get to the sunblock. Uh, the DLC is okay in that it is functional, it's decent platforming, um, but it's kind of lazy. You wind up having to replay really effectively the core parts of the game without any of the stuff where you go back to the main hub world and uh, get certain things that make you better defensively or have more magic. You get none of that, just your basic three hearts that you start with. It effectively makes you replay the game six times. Um, I don't know that I want to do that. And uh, each one of these comes with an achievement that is to see all the ending screens for that uh, that game type. So see all four ending screens in officer mode, see all four ending screens, screens in the Pirate Queen's quest. The four screens mean complete the game, complete the game with 100% completion, uh, fastest time with 100% completion, and fastest time. If you're good at Chante, you should be able to finish most of these runs in about an hour. I'm not good at Chante, so <laughs> I'm playing Friends to the End. Uh, it's estimated to be a three to four hour DLC. I think I'm on hour four and I'm a about two thirds through the collectibles. Uh, so that is to say, Corshante is wonderful. Play it, enjoy it. I have not played the Metroidvania one, which I think is the, uh, I don't know, Nate, you know which one it is, right? Seven Sirens. Seven Sirens. I wanted to say Seven Seas and I knew that was wrong. I haven't played that one. But Chante generally looks great. It sounds amazing. The soundtracks are, you know, composed by Jake Kaufman, who's done all sorts of awesome soundtracks. He's great. The, oh. the animations are, are beautiful. There's little bits of like sound bites for, for voices and such. Like the game's presentation, the core game of Shantae Half Genie Hero is great. This DLC is kind of a downer. And I'm going to play through and at least finish the Friends to the End DLC uh, insofar as getting through it once. But I think after that, I'm going to be taking a, a long break from this one. Oh, that's disappointing. It it is. I, I'm like disappointed to feel that way. Unfortunately, is this one of the ones you kickstarted? Yes, actually, yeah. So, um, and and something else I want. That's a, a good point. So, if you had kickstarted the game, it, depending on your your kickstarting level, you were given the DLC. So that's that's where I was. But there's also uh like an ultimate edition of Shantae Half Genie Hero that has all the DLC in it, and I want to say. I, I think, and I should have researched a little, this a little bit, I think the achievement lists are slightly different, um, but I'm not 100% sure I could research that a little bit and come back to it. But I, I think I think there might be like a extra achievement for like hitting a certain like halfway point in the DLC that doesn't exist um, in the DLC itself. The DLC achievements are pretty much started up real quick, 
Um, there's so for friends to the end, each of the three characters has a different special ability. Um, Sky has a, a a bird you can toss and sort of use as a platform. Think of it almost like uh, Rush and Mega Man, except for it doesn't float across; it just is a stationary platform. Um, Bolo has a uh, like a grapple hook you can use, and Roddy Tops will, will recover health. So there are different, <clears throat> pardon me, there are different uh, achievements attached to each one of them. So Sky, for example, has a difficult one where you have to use her attack and like keep jumping around and never letting the the bird that she throws out return to you. There is a workaround on TA if you're interested in this. So there's some interesting stuff in the list, but then they all come back to that, see all four ending screens. And it's just like, I, I don't have the, I, at minimum, you have to play basically the core game seven times. And I'm not going to do a, a 100% fast run on my first try. It's, it's a lot. It's asking a lot. All right. All right that was uh, Shante Half Junior Hero, Friends to the NDLC Talk. All right, I will go next uh, right before recording. I streamed a new East Asia soft game called Color Pals. And true to its name, it's colorful. It's uh, basically a platformer. So it's like a easy version of Meat Boy. So basically, you start off as a green little dude. And you... See, on the other side of the room, the squares are blue. So you find the blue power-up, and then you can touch the blue floor. So if you touch a color that you are not, you start the stage over. And there's... The layout is kind of like the mobile games where, you know, you can get one star, two stars, and three stars. But it's not based on time. It's based on actually finding the three stars within the level. And I went through the first 19 or so levels and I managed to get the three stars in all of them and you don't even need to get all of them for the achievements you just have to beat the level so I probably went uh, above and beyond but that's no fun to just get one and get out get all of them but uh, this is a game that came out recently and already has 2000 gamer score and the achievements are just to beat, you know, you, the first ones came rapid fire. It was beat levels one, two, and then four, six, eight, ten. So it was every one, then every two, and then it was every three, 13, and 16. And then it becomes every four, 20, 24, 28, 32. And then the title update brings it uh, where you have to complete up to level 50. So I did not get that far yet. I'm not sure if there's more than 50 levels in the game. If there are, you could rest assured they will be adding more gamer score to the game. Um, but it's a you know a quirky little fun little game, only a five dollar game. Um, there was one little problem I had, and that there are these little arrows on the floor that were very hard to see. And when you step on these arrows, they launch you into the air. And I I think the arrows should have been more defined like black squares but there's like a little gray arrow on top of the squares that's hard to see 
Um, the other thing, uh, there's no colorblind mode that I saw, and I think that is a clear deal breaker for people who, well, I don't know. I guess it's not. As long as there's different enough shades where you could see a difference, then I guess it would work. But I wouldn't know myself. Usually in something like this, you would see like a shape to go along with the color. But I didn't see anything like that. And then also when I was streaming, you know, usually I like to turn the music down. But when you go to music, the options are on or off. That's it. There's no toggling any volume for it. So that was disappointing. So I just had to turn that off. And usually I love the music for these retro games. So when I go back, I will definitely have that on full blast. Uh, yeah, but the achievement list is, is nothing special. It's just uh, complete the levels. That's it. And it seems to be a pretty popular game. Already 1,300 people have it. And it came out last month. So I know. So yeah, if you want to, you know, if it was only a 1,000 gamer score, yeah. Like, I know. It, maybe 2,000. It can't be. People will be into this. Too difficult, right? Because obviously you're playing through it. But with me boy style games uh controls are important right they have to feel kind of crispy uh so or crisp so that you know you're not taking a bunch of cheap deaths was all that good or is the gameplay just like not expansive um, enough where that's even an issue good question good question it was a little eh. um so you you go you know left goes left and right goes right but if you hit a jump Sometimes you don't keep the momentum going to, and I had to jump a couple times just to get back on track. Not the greatest controls, but they're good enough to get the job done. Mm -hmm. I think anyone who gets this knows what they're in for. But it's always interesting because it's listed as a platformer, but there's definitely puzzle elements because the puzzle lies within how do you complete each level what's the best path to take in the level because you can go left you can go right you can get one key first get another key first and then if you do the wrong thing you cannot progress in the level so it's always i always call these puzzle platformers it's probably not correct by ta genre definition standards but it's not just a typical platform where you're just plowing through and avoiding enemies and jumping you're trying to figure out how to solve each level and getting through. So I would call it a little bit puzzly, but TA would disagree. All right, that's uh, Color Pals. But it's now time for our main event. Ex Wild West has a secret game he's going <laughs> to reveal to us right now. Exactly. I'm going to take uh, a cue from our resident Kushmoose, uh, and talk about a Game Pass game that's leaving pretty soon. Whoa, <laughs> nice. Because since he didn't do it, I guess I should do it and uh, make sure to fill that void that everyone wants to have about having a Game Pass game. Kush perked right up. Go ahead. Uh, so I'm going to talk about Road 96. Oh. So that uh, That's a game that I've been... Uh, looking at doing i saw it on game pass I've, I've seen a few things about it um and uh with the announcement that i was leaving i was like well uh it's a six to out six to eight hour uh estimate on ta to complete and so i was like okay 
you know, I'll give this a shot. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not gonna be too long. And uh, I, I really like it so far. I started it on, let's see, I started on June 17th, so three days ago. Um, and I've kind of just played a couple hours each day so far. Um, uh, the basics, so it's an adventure game according to TA, and I would call it that. Uh, it's, uh, how would you describe it? It's kind of like a, you know, a movie, a walking sim with point and click aspects of it um so the basis is kind of like you're in a dystopia or i guess they call it a totalitarian uh universe Whoa. oh go ahead no no oh. so you're kind of in a totalitarian uh world and you're a bunch of teenagers are missing and each story uh is kind of like an episode of it um the stories have about I'm trying to think i think it's three or four scenes per per story per teenager and eventually all routes lead to road 96 uh and then you choose how you're going to cross out of this totalitarian uh government uh area and once you cross out that teenager story is done and uh, goes to the main menu and you continue you can continue your game and you'll start as another teenager and you'll have a you'll have completely different scenes uh, for the next game so each one has uh, you know different scenes that are named after song titles uh, like they have uh, they have one called beat it uh, for Michael Jackson uh, what's another one that I've had they've had uh, I, I can't no, nothing else comes to mind but they've just all their scenes are, are named after songs uh, pretty famous songs um, throughout the story you have uh, about six or seven recurring characters that you'll meet in these scenes um, and their story kind of progresses and you learn more about them uh, through by the time you finish that teenager story you'll learn you know 15 20 percent of that person's story and then the next teenager will come along and you'll learn a little bit more about that person so the percentage that you've learned about them will go up even more uh overall i i've really liked it um like i said it's been one that i've i've looked at even before it was put as leaving game pass and so i kind of uh, had my eye on it and i'm glad i started it it's not very long um i would say uh, there is an achievement for collecting cassette tapes. I think there's like 26. Let me see what it says. Uh, yeah, it's like 26 or 28 cassette tapes. You get you can get one or two per scene. That achievement actually just randomly popped for me yesterday early. I only have like 10 of them. So it just popped. But yeah, you can get like one or two per scene. And from my understanding is that if you miss one uh, for, for whatever reason, after you finish... The main story, uh, the main story's finished after. From what I've heard, uh, the main story's finished after you do six six teenagers. Um, when you go to this, you can continue your game after that. From what I've read, and after that, you should be able to get a new cassette tape. The game kind of forces the ones that you've missed onto those scenes, so you shouldn't have any missables as far as cassette tapes at all. Uh, but the rest of the achievements are pretty, pretty standard. Uh, nothing, nothing too out of the way. Um, there is a walkthrough. I haven't really been following it, but there is a walkthrough if you need it. 
so that's road 96 i've really enjoyed it it's i think it's worth a try it's normally 20 bucks i don't think it's worth 20 bucks i think it's maybe worth five or seven dollars so when you get to play it on game pass i think it's a good deal and it's a good game and and i would recommend it I know you just mentioned that you haven't used the walkthrough yourself, but time is ticking on this game. Do you think it's interesting enough, like narratively, that you should make a point of playing it without the walkthrough? Because, you know, the there, there's some people in the community that are really just looking for the completion. So would you advocate for going through and seeing actually what's happening or you're, it's it's all the same? You can just use the walkthrough and kind of speed run through it. Uh, yeah, so I've only had... Uh, I've, I've looked at the walkthrough just to kind of see what it is. And if you're just looking for the completion, I think the person does a great job that did it um, of trying to trying to kind of corral all the information into a good uh, uh, site for, for the different scenes because it is random. I have yet to, I don't know how many scenes in total there are in the game, but I've yet to repeat any scenes so far as I've gone through, uh, I've gone through three teenagers um, so far, so I'll be, or I, I think I'm in the middle of my fourth right now and I haven't had a repeat scene. Um, I just have a, when I get to a new scene, I'll kind of see where the tape's at. So I make sure that I don't miss it when I was looking for that achievement. Now I don't have to worry about that. So I just kind of go through, um, and they're pretty, the scenes are pretty small little areas, um, like an RV camp or an abandoned, gas station or a fast food joint it's just like little areas like that that you'll kind of explore you'll meet a character from one of the six or seven characters in the game you'll meet them and kind of interact with them learn a little bit more about their motivations or what kind of side of the government they're on or if they're part of the police force different things and then you kind of just will choose how you want to leave the scene whether you're going to hitchhike whether you're going to travel by bus which costs money uh, whether you're going to take a taxi or if you're just going to walk. And so it's just, uh, if you're following a walkthrough, I think the walkthrough from what I've seen so far will help you get the completion as quick as you want and, and move on. And I think it'll probably take about six hours if you're looking for that. So you've got plenty of time to get it done before it leaves at the end of the month. So it sounds like you liked it. I did. I would recommend it. It's really good. It's it's kind of a low stress game. It's not, you know, it's not anything fast paced. So it's a nice, you know, if you want to, you just. I think uh, each story is kind of like forty ish minutes, maybe to an hour, depending on how much you look through each scene. So uh, you know, you can pop in, do a scene, you know, one scene a night, and you'd be done in about a week. So it wouldn't. It doesn't take too long. Or if you want to just rush through it, you can rush through it in a day or two and be done. Yeah, I definitely see a lot of people have been starting this one up. And it, it definitely serves as a cautionary tale to uh, Game Pass people because this came out... Oh, uh, you know what? Yeah, this came out last last April, April came 14th. Out, yeah. I don't know if it launched into Game Pass or not. That's what I was going to say. If it did launch into Game Pass in April, oh, then that's a weird... That, then, then it's uh, weird. Yeah. But I'm not sure. But either way, this does look pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, I I I think it's just a nice casual casual game that's easy to 
easy to pick up and nothing like even if you don't really care too much about what's going on in the story you can just kind of breeze through it and take it at your own pace and finish it up quickly hmm looks like they added a Did you talk about this this prequel they added? I did see that. I don't really know much about it. Uh, yeah, I I saw that when I was looking at the game, uh, the game on the store, the Microsoft store. I saw that there was a different edition with that on there, but I I don't know much about it right now. I think they are making a sequel or something. I can't remember. Maybe it was just the prequel I'd heard. But... Yeah, yeah. This prequel came out in April called Road Ninety Six Mile Zero. So yeah, I didn't realize this game was that popular that it warranted. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I was just trying to look and see if it went right into Game Pass. It says it's on Steam and Nintendo Switch, and that it reviewed well on both of those platforms. So okay, <laughs> whatever it can right. take, whatever that is. But well, my point was that usually it's a year or two years or six, you know, eighteen months or something. Yeah. But yeah, be on the lookout. Well, more on Game Pass leavings a little later. All right, that was uh, Road 96. Going to a digital recycle bin near you. All right. Sales. Looks like there was a lot of sales this week. Nate, we'll start with you. Already, yeah. There, I would, I would say there were a lot of indie sales too. It, it feels like it was an indie mm. sale. There were a lot of smaller games, uh, a lot of good deals to be had. Uh, and I'm not going to go over a whole ton of them. Like I know people are probably thinking I'm going to, uh, but you should check it out because there's a lot of stuff in there, um, and a lot of stuff that maybe isn't normally in there. Um, I'm going to recommend uh, Machinarium and Creeks Bundle. Um, this is $6.59, down from $33. Uh, Machinarium is an adventure point-and-click two-to-three-hour game, and uh, Creeks is a five-to-six-hour puzzle game. Uh, I like the art style in these. Uh, I'm pretty sure these both have walkthroughs. I, I know Machinarium has been out for quite some time, and Creeks, I believe, uh, has been out for a while, a good while, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that these would have uh, walkthroughs on TA. If not TA, then surely Steam uh, or some other corner of the internet. Uh, and lastly, uh, Sea Salt. This is $3 down from 15 This is a strategy game. This was in Game Pass. I did not finish it before it left. Um, I picked this up a while ago, I think on a similar sale, uh, and this is a fun game um, where you have the option of selecting different characters for each level. Uh, and if those characters survive to the next level, they get stronger, uh, I believe, uh, or at least you keep them through the next level. So really it pays to, um, it pays to keep your, uh, your units alive and, and carry them through. Um, and it was a fun game. I, I really enjoyed this and $3 for this game. I think it's a, it's a steal. What kind of what does it play like? Because I remember it leaving, and I thought about playing it, and I didn't. So I was thinking about picking it up in the sale. Like, what kind of how does it play? So your units um, will auto attack, but you can move them 
um, where you want them. So when a unit comes in range, they'll go ahead and attack them. And, and each one has different types of attacks. Uh, some are kind of melee units. Others will cast spells. Um, uh, it's very dark uh, in, in theme. You're, you're essentially picking different monsters. And you can play as a different um, kind of dungeon master-ish type thing. Like it doesn't, you don't really have powers, but you have different uh, affects on your characters uh, when you choose what to start with, like which card or character you're going to play as. But you don't really have direct control over that character. It's just you get a different uh, bonus for for which one you pick. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, check it out. Sea salt. Sea salt. All right. Also, as far as sales. Yeah, I mean, if I if I'm suggesting it and it's a strategy game, uh, it's got the wrong genre. <laughs> it's a common theme with this episode. And on TA, as usual, there's the Easy Gamer Score article, but uh, they had decided to have some fun with it this this week, and they have the top sixty nine quick completions from the Xbox sale. And the comment section is uh, pretty funny, so check that out. <laughs> of course there would be. <laughs> it's like a hundred people saying nice, and then one guy saying, how come you're just going to skip through the visual novel? You should be reading it. <laughs> that was my favorite comment. <laughs> that Superman gift, the joke, going over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> But yeah, a lot of easy, easy games this week. If that is your style, whatever floats your boat. All right, we have uh, current games with gold are Adios from June 1st to June 30th and The Veil from June 16th to July 15th. I still haven't heard anyone talk about The Veil yet. Hopefully someone comments on it soon so I know whether or not to check it out. Nate. Nate, of course, has not played it because he's busy with Game Pass leavings. <laughs> so, last week we talked about the possibility of, you know, Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, and Among Us leaving. No, no, they changed their minds. It's not those, it's this other group of games. But, you know, I'll, I'll get the bad news out of the way first. Leaving Game Pass, Match Point Tennis Championships, Empire of Sin with the Windows Stack. Uh, previously mentioned Road 96, uh, Amori, which is a turn based role playing game, and I saw. Uh, woo, really singing its praises today. But this is a 60 to 80 hour game, and I'm afraid no one's going to be starting this with this leaving at the end of June. But he says it's like one of the best games he's played. He gave it a five, and he never gives anything a five. Uh, DJ Max, respect the. <laughs> um, which is a music game with. Hundreds of hours. And Olija is a four to five hour 
platformer. So that one and Road 96 seem to be the ones that are doable within the, the time frame. I was thinking about starting Elysia next after I finish Road 96. Uh, you'll have them both done with before the weekend's out, I'm sure of it. Do you want to read us the Game Pass Cummings Wild West? Yeah. So we've got uh, Need for Speed Unbound on Cloud, PC, and Xbox. That's a 40, 40 to 50 hour game, arcade racing, the new Need for Speed game. I'll probably check that one out as long as it's nothing crazy like the previous Need for Speed games. Uh, we've got The Bookwalker on PC and Xbox, a day one game from, Speed, from Steam that's an adventure game. Uh, June 27th, we've got Bramble the Mountain King on cloud, PC, and Xbox. And then we also have F-I-S-T, Forged in Shadow Torch on cloud, PC, and Xbox. June 29th, we get Story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town, PC, and Xbox. With some pancakes on there. It's a stack, baby. That's a stack. Okay. I was trying to figure out what you're doing on that. Okay. Simulation and management. 100 to 120 hours. I'm not a breakfast person. That is great. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, July 3rd. Are we... I guess we're going into July 2. You get Arcade Paradise. Um, That's a stack as well, possibly. Maybe Possibly. Yeah, possibly. Because Arcade Paradise released on the Xbox, but there is no PC version right now. But July 3rd, there will be. So is it going to be a stack or is it going to be just a shared and all that fun stuff? We'll get to see if we if there's pancakes all around. You got uh, <laughs> action, and that's an action game. That's 50 to 60 hours. And then the last one we have on July 3rd is Sword and Fairy Together Forever on PC and Xbox. That is an action RPG role-playing. And someone has left this nice graphic. So if you want the main story, it's 23 and a half hours. If you want the main and side quest, it's 32 hours. If you're a completionist like me, it's 35 hours. And for all styles, it's 31 hours. Whatever that means. So You get yeah, extra special, bonus for Sword and Fairy. <laughs> special note for uh, Forged in Shadow Torch. Uh, that game looks awesome. Uh, platformer, possibly Metroidvania. Um, I know Rocker Dude and I were really excited when we first saw it. Uh, and then it was going to PlayStation only, and that was a bummer. Uh, so when it, uh, this was kind of a surprise. Like we thought it was nice. coming to Xbox eventually, and boom, just a shadow drop day one. Awesome. Very excited for that. And, uh, Bramble the Mountain King, a uh, very cool art style, um, possibly a limbo like. Um, so, uh, I'm very excited about that. I almost picked it up once or twice, uh, on sale, and, um, or was it a sale? I'm not going to go into details on that. Uh, but <laughs> no, I didn't because it's coming to Game Pass. And the Bookwalker, the art style looks very cool. That's that's something I want to check it out. Oh, and uh, yeah, because it's not genred in TA, I pulled the genre from Steam. And they, they say it's an adventure game, but you know that's like a blanket. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to Arcade Paradise. It's something I've considered because. I, you know, you, I think the idea is like you're trying to actually build the arcade, sort of like make the arcade successful and the arcades actually have like arcades within them. So you play the arcades and hit certain, um, 
certain targets by doing that. Like, it sounded interesting, but I didn't want to drop the money on it. So now I can dabble in Game Pass. So that's pretty exciting. It's it's actually your family owns a laundromat. And there's like a there's a tiny room in the back where there's a couple of video games. And then you start to manage that. And then you start to expand the business into an arcade. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> the first part that you start doing is very interesting. You're like scraping gum off the tables and you're picking up trash and recycling. And it's just you know, very weird. And then it goes into like this management D and also you get to play the video games. It's yeah, it's, it's, a, it's weird. That's good the part weird. that's, uh, didn't rocker play that one. Yep. I thought he talked about that on one episode. And that's the part that's interesting to me is I, I've, I've heard those games are actually pretty good. So the, the management style components are fine, but the games are, are solid too. So Sounds like a good time to me. And uh, I do know with that game, though, there's DLC. I'm not sure how that impacts the achievements, um, but I, I know there is additional content for it that's not included with the Game Pass release, I'm pretty sure. So be aware of that. Yeah, it looks like 1K. Look like there's any, yeah, it doesn't look like there's any achievements attached to it. Okay, right it, it might oh. just be DLC sort of like in the, in the framework of Game Room where it just gives you more options of games to play for yeah. accomplishing what you need to, but they're not uh, achievement-bearing themselves. Yeah. But I am pretty sure that developers said they're they're done with DLC. So it should be safe then. If there's mm. no other uh, score attached to it, there shouldn't be any of those, like, Okay, there's the game's about to leave, and we're gonna drop more DLC in it. I, I think they said they're done. Well, it's a good announcement. I'm I'm really happy with this. Uh, when we saw this, it's kind of blown away. Very excited. All right, it's good to hear everyone's so excited. All right. Leading us into the promised land of Red Camp. Michelle, you start the parade. I sure will. First up, we have our completions milestones. Leading off with Mad Lefty, 2097 at 350 completed games. E.L. Sock has reached 400 completed games. Mad Eye, Pad Eye at 850 completed games. Raw Sauce Ross at 950 completed games, Dave Bottom with a, a impressive milestone of 1,000 completed games, uh, but of course totally outdone by Snipe by a Girl, who has reached 1,550 completed games. Good job, everybody. In streaks, Dunkos currently with 100 days. What the fuck with 300 days? Ooh, is he going to make it? Quantum Gray, 17, currently also on a 300-day achievement streak. Is he going to make it? Domain, currently with 450 days. Retro Chief, 1969, with 900 days. And Bastion Reader, with 2,000 days. In gamer score, we have El Sock with 700,000 gamer score. Dave Bottom with 1.4 million gamer score. Mad Eye Pad Eye with 1.6 million gamer score. And Redemption Denied with 3.9 million gamer store. No big deal. <laughs> oh, man. Elsa. Think he's got anything planned for his 4 million? Or just whatever happens, happens? Good 
point. I have no it's idea. Just whatever happens, happens. I know he's got more gamer score <laughs> than all of us combined, and we have at least one millionaire on the panel. I mean, it's just crazy. That is a lot of gamer score. We have, uh... yeah, <laughs> you're right. Uh... In leaderboards, Alex R. Davies is now in the top 2,000 of the TA Difference leaderboard. Bastion Reader is now in the top 10 of the Completed Games leaderboard for Xbox One Shoot 'em Up. Dave Bottom is now in the top 50 of the TA leaderboard for Platformer. Domain is now third in the Washington Gamer Score leaderboard for Action. GT3 Option Fan is now in the top 200 of the Georgia TA leaderboard for Xbox 360 Football. That must be a tough leaderboard to climb with the probably 80% of the servers are closed for football games on uh, Xbox 360 at this point. Uh, Lucas1987 is now second on in the gamer score leaderboard for Xbox Live Arcade. That's insane. RPG Davy, top 5,000 of the gamer score leaderboard for role-playing games. Very nice. Arya Dragon is now top 200 of the TA leaderboard for On Rails. And Jay Huns is now number one in the TA Difference leaderboard for Metroidvanias. You can see Jay Huns every day on our hashtag Vayner's channel. He, he talks up a lot of games, answers questions. He's all around good guy. I uh, had some brags to shout out this week. I got a tag from none other than Prue. Who completed Star Trek Online? I have heard this Very game nice. is awful. Yeah, that's dedication there. Um, it looks like he started this on the in, in June 2018, and he's got a playing time of seven days and 14 hours. That seems like a lot of hours for a game that's not that good. I have zero idea what this entails, except that it's Star Trek, so he, I'm sure he felt like he had to play it. But uh, good job on that. And we had Curyu uh, Reborn, who is in the Bragg ch Camp channel as Archie, who completed Pac-Man Museum Plus, which is worth an 11.5 uh, ratio overall and race the sun which is a 12 i'm pretty sure that one was a games with gold at one point i know that yeah. one that was one of the controversial was, g task titles as i recall like one of the groups that was accused of game sharing it oh, was yeah. because they all completed this game in the same week or something to that effect so you might believe one of the folks is good enough, but the fact that all of them completed it within like an hour of each other, like, I, th but I remember because this game has such a high ratio that that's what it, mm. it drew people's attention for sure. And last but not least, um, <laughs> there was a fun post in Breckamp about Bioshock 2 uh, from GT3 Option Fan and Clown finished the Bioshock 2 boost. Nice. Which, if anybody knows, takes a lot of sessions, and you go back and forth and holding down A and Very monotonous. turns. Um, I did this years ago. 
It is unforgettable. But the funny thing is that there's a shout out to this dude, Machiavelli, who <laughs> I guess hangs out in Bioshock 2 and has been doing so for years. And I guess he goes and griefs people who are boosting. I was going to say, there's this still person, people that do that. Yeah, they were looking on TA. And it looks like he hasn't had an achievement since 2012. So is he really logging on to Bioshock 2 and harassing people for a decade? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's an alt at this point, but who knows what people do. I don't know. Well, how His people tag on TA spend time doing that stuff when they could spend time gaming or whatever else is... I don't know. I don't get it. His tag makes no sense. He's got 12,000 gamer score, but 4,000 TA. Like, he's got less TA score than gamer... I don't know. I don't know if this is bugged or what, but... Anyway, nice job, GT3 option fan. Hope to have you on the podcast soon. I want to ask you about this Bioshock 2 boost. Because I know it's it's, it's just a wonderful time. And uh, I'd like to know more about this clown character also. Clowning around. All right, that should just about do it for this week. Wild West, thank you for the last minute um, coming on the show again. You're always good to help us out, and we appreciate you very much. No problem. I will. Uh, and yes, I was going to say all I'm going to check the sales, and I'll see if I can send Kusha codes here soon, and we'll get a, another game up. Ooh. Soon. Check the sales a little bit. Much. This is his his last two dollars after his universal trip <laughs> is going to be buying a code <laughs> for a lucky winner. If I get finally get two or three dollars. I'll just buy sea salt since Koosh recommended it. And it's three bucks. <laughs> yeah, and keep it for yourself. Like actual, <laughs> like actual sea salt for <clears throat> the game, which is more valuable. All right. Well, thank you to Koosh. Thank you to Michelle. Thank you to Wild West. And, of course, thank you to our wonderful community. Um, we didn't have a live show this month, so I think... Should everyone be jumping on Twitch and subbing with Prime so they don't lose their streak for June? I think everyone should do that. I'm going to go do that. And, of course, in the uh, Discord is where we spend most of our time. Lots of, lots of contests, lots of channels, lots of fun when we're supposed to be working it is a good time all right thank you everybody and class is dismissed goodbye night see ya job's done Welcome back to the Master Raters, a little segment where we discuss how we rate 
the games that we play. Uh, we've now done... How many of these have we done now? Let's Several. One, two, Several. Three, four, five, six, seven. No. We should be able to count, right? Six? I think this is our seventh. We can rate, but we can't count. This is true. You've heard some voices already. Mine is Chewy on Ice, and with me, as always, is Volker Latin and Matrock. How are you guys doing? Oh, things are lovely. Yeah, man. I would rate today like a like a solid three, maybe a three and a half. Well, it's good job that's how you rate it, because that's exactly what we're talking about. 3.5, baby. Now, okay, this is good games. Good games, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Squarely good. Tending towards good. I would say these are a little stronger. I would say, if I was to put a word on 3.5, 3.5 for me is good. Yeah, right. No, I mean, like, could be better tending towards good, as opposed to could be better tending towards bad. Yeah, okay, okay. See, I think we're coming from slightly different angles, because the way that I think of a 3.5 is these are the games that begin to sort of also attract people that aren't necessarily fans of that genre, too. You know, I think, a, mm-hmm. at least for me, a lot of our earlier ratings have come down to, if you're a fan of the genre, a 3.0 game is probably actually better for you because you already like that. And I think the 3.5s are, are where we start to see more universal acceptance of their goodness. Uh, I could I could go with that. You could recommend it. Right. Not a, not a wholehearted recommendation, but oh, no. a, hey, you should you should probably give this a try. Right. I've played worse. Well, you could give this a try. I would say, I guess, that the flaws are not as deep like if they're Mm -hmm. already thing bad it's it could just be a death by a thousand paper cuts or there's just a few things that's keeping it because i don't know into my head a 3.5 is still like a c plus where Hmm. it's like yeah i mean that's good you've passed and and like pretty good pass but like you could be better that is very interesting i generally have a a more positive take on a on a 3.5 well, okay, Volga. Let, let's see. Let's see where your C plus takes us. Let, let's <laughs> hear about some of the games that you think get that passing grade. Sure. So uh, the first one I have uh, for you is Never Alone, mm. which is a, a platforming game uh, about an Inuit girl and her fox. And what I liked about it, uh, Foxy. What, yeah, uh, was Mostly that it was made with the involvement of, uh, and I forget that it's been a while since I've played, but the actual tribes of people. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it showed an entire side of the world and history. And uh, it had little like segments about how they lived and what they believed and and all of that, which was fascinating. And I loved learning about that and having a different perspective. And it's actually that which took it from being like a three, because I think as a platformer, it's just sort of a ho-hum platformer. Yeah. But having something new kind of elevated the material a bit more, if that makes sense. It does. And I, I am familiar with this one and I agree with it. I, I think I maybe rated it a bit higher, but but I agree with your assessment that it's a kind of average platformer elevated by its involvement of the kind of traditional cultural kind of stuff that you wouldn't normally get the in i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher it inupiaq and inupiaq tribes 
I agree with the assessment, but I kind of because I I'm totally with you. This is a game that definitely gets a bump because of that background of the game, and it's cool to see video games being used as a way to teach sort of cultural touch points. But I feel like the platforming wasn't good enough at a base level to get to a 3.5. So just so given that, like, do you feel like the, the platforming is like a three and you bumped up to 3.5? Like if you were to take away that impact of the involvement of the Inupiaq tribe, how, how do you feel the game would be if that was not part of the package? Probably a two and a half to a three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. If it was just girl and fox adventure. <laughs> I think it had, as from my memory, it had kind of a nice kind of design and like a nice aesthetic to it as well. Mm-hmm. I quite like the kind of the snowy, desolate kind of atmosphere. I, th- I think I think snow and wind and things played quite a big part in the kind of the, the gameplay and the aesthetic. And I quite like that, I, I seem to remember. And I'm lumping that in there as well. So I, mm-hmm. I'm lumping in the aesthetic mm. and and that i'm saying if you just took if you if you reskinned it if you took everything but just changed the skin and made it like girl and fox adventure it wouldn't be that i guess it would have been weird to have an inuit game take place in like <laughs> the bahamas palm trees <laughs> so i i guess the i guess the aesthetic does come hand in hand with the, with the kind of background like, i i like the aesthetic too i just i'm land i think at about like a 3 on never alone and it's mostly because i i feel like the platforming is not at par it's it's a little below that even and that just might be a faulty memory thing but i feel for a game that was very reliant on like oh the wind is blowing so you're gonna have to time this jump and then you time the jump Mm -hmm. but the the kind of i don't know if it's the right term but like the hit boxes on where a jump would register were very wonky it made the game kind of frustrating at times and it definitely was rescued by all that other stuff that was present in the game but i I felt it was Mm -hmm. pretty hurt for all of that unfortunately so i gave it a four um so for me i kind of land on the other side of that which Mm -hmm. is that for me I don't I almost don't care. <laughs> the gameplay to me is secondary. I think that um because I'm, you know, Mr. Story, Mr. Atmosphere, mm-hmm. Mr. Indie game kind of I'm willing to give games more of a pass, I guess, on slightly wonky mechanics if mm-hmm. I feel like they're kind of worthy of that higher rating. And that totally makes sense. So it is interesting that that's kind of where we land one side or another on that mm-hmm. scale. And, and Volga's like, no, Dead it's right in the middle. middle. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, and I, I don't know. I think at the time I was also playing probably a lot more questionable platformers. So I was willing to forgive mm-hmm. for its platforming faults, you know, relative mm-hmm. to other platformers. There's probably at least 20 that I could rattle off that are worse platformers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and also this game came out. I remember this game came out early in Xbox One days when it was what was considered kind of an easy game score game yes. at the time mm-hmm. you know three to four hours fairly easy completion and that was kind of uh, not like trash gamer score just like a decent way to get fairly decent easy score now obviously what's come since has been quite different to that and mm-hmm. if you were to bundle all the easy gamer score games together I would definitely put this as a strong recommend compared to most of yes. the other trash platformer easy mm-hmm. game score games that we've I got. I agree since. with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but basically like if you just don't care about any of it and you're just there for the score then you know never alone's charm isn't going to work if you're not going to sit and like at least be somewhat intrigued by the you know mm-hmm. by the little documentaries that you find um and i watched all of them i was like yeah. i know nothing about any of this and i'm here to learn that kind of museum quality aspect of it then mm-hmm. yeah i can't really recommend it for you but i think that's what three and a half is sort of like stipulation recommendations you know oh good phrasing mm-hmm. this one mm-hmm. comes with some like yeah if you like specific stuff like this if you were interested in the history and the culture aspect of it, then you're probably going to like it a lot more than if you're just there. Like, if you just want to play a platforming game, there are better platforming games on Xbox. Full stop. Yes. Yeah. I would like to just quickly touch on, um, it was one of the first that I knew of, but there have been a few other games since that did this whole strong ties to cultural or historical backgrounds and, and kind of informational <laughs> as well about... Mm-hmm certain kind of cultures and tribes and things that we weren't aware of maybe less successfully one is the the moose man which was a i think mostly kind of a walking sim that had very i can't remember what the background for it was but it also had this kind of tribal cultural thing going on but i think that was with native american tribe Mm -hmm. if i'm remembering correctly Mm. that's i'm probably getting that completely wrong i'm looking it up now it is oh no european russia uh there we go <laughs> completely wrong the moose man is based on the mythology of the komi which okay. are indigenous ethnic group whose homeland is in the northeast of european russia so that is not the same place no. and also a weird little game which is very very underplayed is called welcome to elk which is a kind of a point-and-click adventure which also is based on the accounts the true accounts and retellings of people who come from these um kind of scandy island communities which are very isolated from the world and some of the weird stuff that happens there so if if the kind of historical cultural elements of uh, never alone interested you those two games are also kind of similar in that way but yeah as a game (laughs) it's fine (laughs) It's okay. The other one is uh, Back to the Future, the game, the 30th anniversary edition, of which it's not actually 30 years old. It's just 30 for the movie. It's the Telltale game, point and click, Back to the Future, which uh, I liked mostly. Telltale from when Telltale was not just telling tales (laughs) when they were uh, providing gameplay. I think this this was uh, pre-Walking Dead. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, this was back when they used to do... Um, Jurassic Park, I think, was the other one, kind of contemporary. The Salmon, Salmon Max games, mm-hmm. and they also did Homestar Runner games, which never yes. made it to console. Which is such a shame. Uh, but yeah, uh, this is like very true to the source material, and I love the source material a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a lot of that reverence for it, which I think elevates elevates it there's a lot of just what i would just consider to be somewhat jank certain things just don't work or certain puzzles i don't think hit in a very intuitive way or they feel not quite old school unforgiving but sometimes not as immediately obvious what to do and this is another one that for achievement hunters they're gonna hate because it's just a tv trips would probably call it like a guide dang it game where Mm -hmm. you just have to like uh 
well, sorry, you messed up. You're gonna need to do this section again for, you know, a guide and all that. And that was really the biggest detriments to me. But like at the beginning, when you could like recreate all the parts from Back to the Future at the Twin Pines Mall, and I mm-hmm. nailed all of it, and that was an achievement. That was great. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even need a guide for that. Very good voice acting too. The guy that they got to be Marty. Uh, very yes. sounds very yeah. close. They got Christopher Lloyd back, yes. so yeah. he's actually playing Doc Brown, but the Michael J. Fox alike is very decent. Although it's weird, because in the last episode, Michael J. Fox is also in it. Yes, <laughs> he is, yeah. So it's like, could you not just have him be Marty? But I guess they was he he was not in a, in a place to do that. Well, it's a lot more of a commitment to be in one part, mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, Marty's part's very... It's a, that's a bigger part. Also, he he's got to he still be kind of a young voice. Mm-hmm. Doc Brown is an ageless voice, right? He he, Christopher Lloyd can play Doc Brown now, and he probably sounds about the same. But, right. but Michael J. Fox can't quite put on the teenage and voice. It's only uh, young Doc Brown's actually played by somebody else. You meet young Doc Brown uh, in the nineteen teens. But a lot of that, like they've they nailed the feel of a Back to the Future point and click, and it's the most successful Back to the Future game that has ever existed for what little that means because it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot <laughs> yeah i i enjoyed this as well and i but i enjoyed it more for nostalgia for the series and um like you say the kind of voice acting and things it was quite long as well it, yeah. it split over multiple episodes and i think it kind of starts to drag i think is is my kind of biggest yeah issue with it it could have been tighter the whole thing could have been a lot kind of tighter and and i guess i think for for i think from my memory other people's complaints about it are that it kind of drags and gets boring yeah you could probably cut out one episode instead of being a five episode game be a four episode game and i think mm-hmm. you'd probably be a little bit better a little bit stronger of, of a of a thing mm-hmm. that's a lot of it is just if you're not a fan of back to the future or point and clicks like this game doesn't do anything that's gonna make you go like, oh man, point and clicks. Yeah. Like I said, it's like a caveat kind of thing, you know, as strong as it is. Uh, if you went in now expecting a cinematic Telltale game, like the later ones, then you would be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, this is not the same thing. But that was exactly my takeaway. So I I played this in. 2018 so it was after the telltale games were as we know them the walking dead games were well established and i just remember there being so much negative sentiment about the game for all these reasons because people were used to these very highly cinematic um more interactive storybooks than point and click adventures and i remember like thinking to myself like i'm really enjoying this game i don't understand why Mm -hmm. and and i do agree with the criticism that it does get a little it outstays its welcome by a little bit but I enjoyed my time with it. Like, I agree with that completely. I just think if you go into it thinking, oh, this is going to be like those Telltale games. And, and do we really want that sort of dark feeling from Back to the Future anyway? It's not quite the right mix. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And um, and I think that length of it, that feeling that it should be a little bit shorter is probably what stops it from being a little bit higher rated, actually. Absolutely. I gave it a 3.5 too, so yeah. I, I think I, I agree with everything that we're all mm-hmm. saying here. Agreed. Amazing. Two good games. Michelle, tell me about your two good games, good-ish games. Good-ish games. So I'm going to talk about a good-ish game that I think most people will agree 
with first as being a good ish game and that's yoku's island express yoku's island express is a metroidvania style game uh you play as this bug-like creature i don't remember if it was a snail or not but you're a postman essentially and you're trying to get around the island delivering letters and there's a pinball mechanic and that's what really sets us apart from other metroidvanias so I think this is an example. I like this whole idea that you've kind of coined here, Devin, as like a stipulation uh, deal where that's what pushes it above. Because if you just take Yoku's Island Express as it is, it's 12 to 15 hours. It's pretty standard exploration. The platforming is solid. It's not super exceptional. But this extra bit about the pinball actually really sets it apart and makes it feel like something different. Uh, I, I think, you know, maybe if it had one or two other elements that like felt more different or revolutionary things maybe i'd even pull it a little higher because i actually have a really good sentiment about the game yeah it's a great little package and and again that's something different to experience but there are people who the pinball mechanic is distracting or they don't like it it's just something they don't want to experience in their metroidvania style game i just didn't want to experience a metroidvania in my pinball game it's not exactly Ooh. peanut butter and chocolate <laughs> I've kind of semi-dived it. I've kind of gone back to it a few times, but I haven't really dug into it. What I played, mm-hmm. I kind of enjoyed. But yeah, it didn't do anything to really set itself apart, apart from the kind of bouncing around all over the place mm-hmm. on bumpers, grabbing fruit, for no discernible reason as well. I'm not, I'm not sure yet what the kind of point is, apart from, like, pinball, I find frustrating as a okay. gameplay mechanic because it seems mostly just random oh. I, I can see that and and not hugely skill based even though it kind of makes it like it makes it seem like you can be good at it but then you just kind of just press a button and then you bounce all over the place and then that's it i'm sorry pinball fans no i i, I understand that too because i i feel that way about games that are all pinball like i like games like sonic spinball i guess where it's sort of like a gimmick but full like pinball ball tables i wind up getting frustrated because i'm like how many times do i have to try to hit it up this ramp to be able to key this bonus thing and i feel that way about real life pinball too like actual pinball tables that i just keep hitting the same bumper over and over again no matter how many times i try to play it differently thankfully like as much as the pinball mechanic is regular throughout the game and you do need to be able to go through areas to advance and, and there are some things with the achievements that are attached it's not hard you know and you can keep trying uh, and I don't know if, if this is kind of what you were implying, but I sort of had a similar issue with Yoku's Island Express that it took me three or four starts before I finally really started to sit down and play the game. But once I committed to it that time, I played it in pretty short order because it is good. It has very pleasant aesthetic. Uh, again, everything works the way it's supposed to. And the pinball is just sort of a nice little hook in there. Mm-hmm. I think this game does more right than it does wrong. And when you play through it and and actually get a chance to experience, I think it kind of sits with you in a way that makes you feel positive about the game. Not like, oh, it slogged mm-hmm. through this experience. Like it was actually a good time to go through. Yeah, it's very pretty. It's kind of has a nice art style. It's kind of cartoony mm-hmm. and it seems to be well-crafted. The reason the reason I'm playing it the way I am, where I kind of just dip in and out of it, is not because I'm not hooked to it. It's because it's a Y game that oh, is <laughs> good okay. for... Uh, yeah, things various like game challenges and A to Z cat challenges because Y games are harder to come by and it seems to dish out the achievements in quite a evenly distributed way where mm-hmm. you can kind of just go for one and then get it and then move on. 
yeah, uh, without without getting sucked into the game and and being like, oh, I've got to finish it now. You you can just kind of come back to it mm-hmm. as and when. If yeah. we have nothing else about Yoku, I'll move on to my second pick for this because I think that one's a little probably a little more interesting. It's a spicy pick. Well. I'm going to explain all my reasons before we get into anyone being too spicy. So my second 3.5 game is Celeste. And this, the, the piece of it that really strikes me is I think that has to do with the modifiers. I played the first area of it or so without any modifiers on. And I think it was leaving Game Pass. So I was just like, or something to that effect. So I was like, oh, or I had RTDL. I don't remember. But I turned on every cheat and just floated through the game. And so I enjoyed the aesthetic of it. I enjoyed the music. I enjoyed what the story was trying to accomplish. Uh, there are times, Celeste is one of those games that sometimes, depending on how you feel about such things, might edge over into feeling a little pretentious, but it didn't really bother me. But because I was playing the game where I could bash into every spike and you know I could dash as many times as I want to, I didn't get that sort of thrill of victory from going through it. And I think that's why it capped it at a 3.5 for me. It operates exactly mm. the way it's supposed to. And I can totally buy into and understand why people will rate it significantly higher, even with the cheats I, I or the assists. I, I completely get that. But for me, like experiencing that way, it felt, and that's on me. Like I rushed through the experience. It gave me the opportunity to rush through that experience. So it just felt like this is an above average platformer that I see value in and has a lot of good check marks, but didn't reach over into that next level for me. That's interesting. It's interesting because it's like you say, it's like you can see that it could be a better game, but the way you experienced mm-hmm. it made it meant it wasn't as good as it could have been. And is it is it a similar thing if you play isn't it is it Mass Effect three that has like story difficulty or something where you can just blast through all of the fights without any challenge whatsoever? Yeah. And then if you did that, would you rate it as highly as people who played it quote unquote properly and experienced some challenge and difficulty in the in the combat and really like got to grips with the the different powers and abilities and saw everything that the game offered would you rate it this as highly i think a lot of that has to do with how you approach those genres anyway so typically with these Mm. sort of difficult platforming games i enjoy them like i i'm not good at them but i like playing super meat boy or whatever else because i i like that feeling of i failed this level 800 times but on the 800 first i finally got it and and so i think i would have enjoyed the celeste experience more but for a game type where I'm not as comfortable with it, like a first-person shooter, if the game had a great story or something to that effect where now being able to lower that down allows me to access that story, and I think that's the case for Celeste for a lot of people, like being able to lower the difficulty allows them to experience the game because mm-hmm. it is yeah. punishingly difficult. I would probably feel better about it because I'd feel like, oh, they let me in here. And, and it's not the developer's fault, it's my fault, but I like cheated myself out of an experience, so I just don't feel as warmly about the game as I probably could have if I had played it. And not that I can't go back and play it the way that it's meant to be played. I just have an inclination to for all sorts of other reasons. It's funny, though, because the story is about struggle and the Mm -hmm. story is about climbing your own mountains, (laughs) the climb. So it kind of does almost undermine itself. And maybe you don't get the same challenge. You don't get the same experience emotional connection to the story if you have undermined it in that way maybe i don't know because i think the big thing is that you know sometimes you ha- you go through 
stuff and it's hard and you have to persevere, but also sometimes you have to have a little bit of a hand and that helps too because it deals a lot in mental health issues and things. I Mm -hmm. love this game. It's one of my favorite, probably the game of the year that it came out. I bought it like the day of release. I was super excited for it. Um, I don't see the problem, I guess. If any other medium, you don't judge people based on their on their ability to consume that medium. So I can't read Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, but I can still form an opinion about Don Quixote and nobody says like, oh, well, you have to you have to read it in its actual Spanish. I don't think I'm not judging anyone else's way of approaching it. This is totally me talking about how I experienced the game and understanding that in doing that, I hurt the experience for myself. But I'm not judging how anyone else chooses to enjoy Celeste or go through it. I wouldn't advise people not to use the cheats because it hurt my experience. You have to do what works for you. Mm -hmm. I agree with what you're saying and the point you're making, but I don't think it's quite to the conversation we're having here, unless I'm misunderstanding, which is totally possible. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that it's... uh... Like, I'm not giving it a 3.5 because it has assists. It's because I use them and okay. I think hurt the experience myself. I think the fact that it has assists is wonderful and people should be able to experience the game in the way that they choose to. Mm-hmm. But yeah. my experience was hurt by the way I experienced it. And since that's the only way I experienced it and I can only rate a game based on my experience, that's where it landed. Sure. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. And I kind of... So I, I tell myself I suck at video games. And I, I think I generally do. I'm not very good uh, compared to some people. People who I know and breeze through things like my friend Pedro um, getting all the S ranks on the first try. And I'm like, uh, no, that that is literally impossible for me. So on Celeste, I dropped the difficulty down right at the beginning. I didn't even really try. I just thought, I'm going to suck at this. I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to blast through it. And I enjoyed the aesthetic. I enjoyed the um, the story. I enjoyed everything about it. But I took nothing away from the gameplay. Mm-hmm. But I still rated it highly because I knew I was kind of cheating myself out of that experience. <laughs> and I knew that everyone said it was great from a gameplay perspective. But I wasn't getting that experience from it. But it's weird because then there is one achievement where you can't do that, right? In Celeste, there's, yes. there's one achievement where you, you have, have to play use it the... properly, yeah. which is the arcade game within the game. The game jam version. Yeah, which you have to then do properly. And and I think most people do it at the end of the game, right? It, yes. It, you can do it like partway through, but you, 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 you probably leave that to last. And I did leave that to last. And then I did it, you know, properly because you have to. And felt an enormous sense of accomplishment for having done that. And then I thought, hey, maybe I don't suck as bad as I thought. And maybe I shouldn't have used every single assist for the main game. Because maybe I would have taken more from it having, you know, got that feeling of accomplishment and actually challenged myself. But it's too late now because I've just <laughs> blasted through it. I agree with 100% of that. Uh, I just used it to clean up strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I took I took the easy route and I kind of semi regret doing that. But to be honest, I'm, you know, like like I say, I'm not good at most of these kind of games. So I'm glad that the game gave me the ability to experience the full thing because in other difficult platformers, I would have noped out without mm-hmm. that option. Very interesting. Very interesting takes. 
Yeah, I, I view the when I'm putting up my star ratings as like this was my like a story of my experience. Like we yeah. crystallized my experience into a number. Mm-hmm. This is what I gave it. I don't really think about it as public consumption, right? Where somebody might look at yes. me giving it a three point five and thinking, oh, it's a three point five game because there are several hundred thousand people registered on TA. Nobody's looking at what I wrote particularly. But I would think if I was writing a review for the game, if it was something that was meant to, hey, everyone, I want you to see this and and take this opinion away, I don't think I would have gone with a 3.5 because I I know there's more in there. It just, like I keep saying, wasn't my experience. Okay. All right, Chewy. Moving on to my 3.5s. Yes. Let's hear it. So the first game I'm going to talk about is a kind of sequel to a game I really love. The game I really love is Alan Wake, mm-hmm. and I'm very much looking forward to the proper sequel, Alan Wake 2. But in between Alan Wake and Alan Wake 2, uh, we got a kind of spin-off sequel, mini little arcade game called Alan Wake's American Nightmare. And I quite enjoyed that game. <laughs> But Alan Wake, it was not. So it's hard to describe Alan Wake's American Nightmare without spoiling the the main game, the original game, and how it ends. But basically, you take on the role of Alan Wake in a not-quite-real reality place where you have to um, take on similar kind of enemies that you do in the first game and the mechanics are broadly similar you use light to fight the darkness um, which has consumed some of people in the world but in this spin-off your your main antagonist is a dark version of yourself called Mr. Scratch who I thought was a really great character and one of the kind of most interesting parts of the main game so it's cool that you're playing with him but it's definitely a kind of B-movie version or a cut-rate version of the kind of core Alan Wake experience. But that's kind of okay, because that's kind of what Alan Wake was. Alan Wake was a big reference and a big homage and a love letter to um, Stephen King and Twin Peaks and kind of Americana horror things but but whereas that one was kind of what's scary and in the woods this one is a little bit more kind of like a trashy pulpy b movie set in more kind of i guess um where would you describe it it's the kind american of like southwest the american mm-hmm. southwest yeah so it's it's kind of a bit more grungy and it's a bit more like um i'm trying to think of other touchpoint media that it would be referencing but it's very similar and it has the same kind of vibe and it's the same kind of love letter. It's just a cut down version of that. And because it's not really a true Alan Wake sequel, I, I can't rate it as highly as Alan Wake. It's, it's a shorter experience, but it's good. I enjoyed it and it's, I'm glad it exists, hmm. but, uh, but I'm also frustrated it exists because it just served as a reminder that we had to wait so many years for a, a true fully fledged sequel. I feel like if it had done better, maybe we would have got that sequel sooner. It also includes a, what I think completely unnecessary uh, add-on mode, which is kind of like a, an Alan Wake horde mode. <laughs> Because the thing about Alan Wake that's so good (laughs) and the thing about Alan Wake that everyone loves is the combat, (laughs) right? Yeah. 
and they were like <laughs> you know what people let's give them a full-on combat mode and for me that takes away from the game because it has achievements tied to it you have to do well in it or you have to do what most people do and use an exploit where you end up i think like sticking yourself into a bit of the map <laughs> so you can't get hurt and the simple yeah. fact that you, you have to do that to kind of battle how bad the combat is in order to succeed kind of shows that it's a, a pointless addition. I'm glad and I am hopeful that nothing like that exists in in the sequel and, and they stick to what they do best, which is a brilliantly told story with some interesting gameplay mechanics, but not wonderful combat, which is not what they're known for. So I got like a from Alan Wake's um, Cody Rhodes there. I got, um, remember back <laughs> about 10 years ago when they made this? Mm-hmm. It was like Blood Dragon, like Far Cry Blood Dragon, where they just made mm-hmm. a whole bunch of games that were little bite-sized versions of the main game. Mm-hmm. That's the best description of Alan Wake's American Nightmare I could do. It's like, it, it does its own thing, but it's almost like it could have been a DLC for yes. Alan Wake. Yeah, and they, d- they did a couple of... Other, pretty yeah. good okay dlcs for the main game this mm-hmm. is this is kind of more like we, what we were talking about a while ago this is more like an expansion pack right this is right. like um back in the olden days you'd get these like not quite dlcs but but something a bit more like a game in its own right hooked onto the main game expansion pack which yeah this definitely does feel like that you're right but yeah, I liked it overall, except for that horde mode. Yeah, and that's definitely the reputation it carries with it, is that horde mode is a pain. Uh, I know that's enough. I-, I loved Alan Wake, and I still have not really played American Nightmare, because I just don't want to deal with this horde mode as part of it, uh, which is a shame. But I-, I feel like of the games that we've talked about today, this is really the first one where the achievements, because of that horde mode, sort of are at issue. I feel like the other games we've discussed mm-hmm. that that really has not, you know, Never Alone has a a nice and, and easy sort of achievement list to it. Uh, Back mm-hmm. to the Future is also very doable. Yoko's Island is a doable game. Celeste has all the cheats. This is the first one where, at least for me, when I and I have not played enough to rate it, the list is is hampered by the fact that there's so much to do with this horde mode. Or at least that's my understanding. Yeah. yeah, you're probably right, and it's it's possible I even might have rated it high more highly if the horde mode existed but there was no achievements tied to it mm-hmm. and i just could ignore it in the same way that i would ignore the multiplayer mode in dead space 2 and that would have right. probably no bearing on the ranking because i'm never gonna touch it yeah it was dead space 3 or was it no was it 2 3 had co-op oh, sorry it two was had two. Two has, yeah 2 had the unnecessary two, yeah 2 has a an actually multiplayer mode but it has no achievements tied to it yeah, so honest to god multiplayer mode <laughs> i played it how was it it's fine. Oh, okay. It's adequate. This is I. It's slightly more than adequate. Alan Wake, American Nightmare, good. Not good. Not as good as Alan Wake. Clearly. No. And the second game I want to talk about is one that I feel like I haven't got the best out of because I know it's quite well liked. Well, okay. It's Crackdown Two. Crackdown Two is the <laughs> game. <laughs> and. It's not even because of what I think most people put maybe Mark Crackdown on the kind of orbs thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so many orbs, don't know where they are, don't know how to find them, or whatever. It's because I thought it was a decent, fun, open world sandbox game where you can get 
very very overpowered and do some crazy stuff but nothing more than that like nothing in it to me elevated it past just being okay and i feel like that's maybe because i played it entirely on my own Mm -hmm. and i think that crackdown 2 and crackdown before it which i've never played the original is best played with friends am i right in saying that so yeah i played crackdown 2 and also thought it was pretty good also fine and worked better in co-op so i would Mm. agree the just more orbs i was actually curious in in this conversation because i know Devin, you tend to really like games that make you feel like a superhero right we've talked about this with saints row 4 before and that's kind of the crackdown motif right is by the time you're done with everything you really feel like a a superhero so i was curious if you kind of landed that way with this game or if it doesn't have quite enough of that for you i know i played it and I remember thinking that it was pretty good, but I don't know what it mm. was. I think in my head, I played it very close to Prototype and Prototype 2. Yeah. I, mm. I'd have to look okay. at the timeline. But I think if you compare it to that in that kind of aspect, I don't think it's as good. No, I feel like Prototype and Prototype 2 make more effort with the story and the characters, which is obviously where my bag tends to land, whereas Crackdown, that's kind of... Uh, just a backdrop you're a what an agent dude and there are lots of people and they're baddies and you kill them all and that's basically the whole story <laughs> like, yeah. is there much more to it than that it's not deep it's not no, deep it's not or interesting deep or no, no it's uh, n- no it's there no. to serve the the setting and the playground aspect and and what you end up doing in the game for me once you've played the first hour of Crackdown 2, you've basically played the entirety of Crackdown 2 because it's just more of the same again and again and again, isn't it? It's go to this place, kill a load of baddies, do a thing, clear it out, go to the next place, get get, get more orbs, be able to jump higher. Okay, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. Like, there's not a huge amount of variety to it that I remember. This is, this is you know, years ago that I played it. I think I took away thinking, okay, it's okay, quite repetitive. Well, that's the loop of Crackdown that's satisfying, is is the, look, I can jump over this building now. Crackdown 2 especially mm-hmm. had the wingsuit, which was a lot of fun to use um, if you figured out how to use it. And there is that one achievement for doing so. So I think if that gameplay, that idea doesn't do any, as you've said before, you're more motivated by story and, and aesthetic. Like the Crackdown aesthetic is really pretty bland looking. It's not super interesting. Mm-hmm. So I can totally see why that... And 3.5 is still a good score. It's not like you're saying it's yeah. it's a bad no, game. No, not bad. Uh, I but, enjoyed it. Yeah, and I think it it is more fun in co-op because you're kind of getting in each other's way. And sometimes, like especially with the races, you try to help each other out by blocking other cars. And helping each other find the orbs is a big thing, too. Like, Crackdown is one game where it's very important to play with your headphones on. Like... We should do a better job listening to games. I feel like we're now also used to listening to podcasts or TV show or whatever else while we're playing a game that we don't listen to them enough. Mm-hmm. Crackdown is a game where that is very important because there's something super satisfying about when you're down to that last orb and you just hear it pinging in your ears. Uh, but if you don't have that experience, that, that's the kind of thing that might elevate the game a tiny bit for you when you're reviewing it. If that doesn't do anything for you, then where you landed mm-hmm. is, is just about right. And I think, yeah. I, I'm just looking on TA, it's a 3.6 overall on TA. So that seems to be the general take is, is right around that okay. spot. I just I just remember 
in the very, very, very long gestation period of Crackdown 3, <laughs> when it was announced initially, there was quite a lot of hype about it and people were excited about it. And then obviously that kind of turned into a bit of a joke as it, as it got extended. Mm-hmm. But I think generally speaking, when you were talking about it on the podcast, back when that was the case, uh, back in the early days of the podcast, generally speaking, there was more hype and positivity around it and people looking forward to it. And I was just thinking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the second one didn't blow me away. So, yeah, I'm interested to see if three is any good, but I'm not clamoring to to jump on it in the same way I think some people were based on their experiences with the first. At least the first one, I think, is well-loved, maybe more well-loved than the second. But But generally speaking, people seemed to be looking forward to the third. They all kind of blend together in my head. (laughs) The little that I've played of three, I felt like it felt older than it was. So I may be wrong about this, but I believe the first Crackdown came with a Halo 3 demo. And I think part of why it's so beloved is it came, like people purchased the game to get this demo and then the game wound up being more than okay. And so I think it just surprised a bunch of people. You know, when you go into something and your expectations are really low, like the Burger King games and Big Bumpin' or whatever, surprised people. It's actually fun to play. I think it was that sort of thing. Uh. By the time we got to Crackdown 3 and there's this hype to it, Crackdown 3 has a very vacant world, which is really its biggest problem. They built this map out and there's some things that they did that are, are better in terms of like seeing portions of the map, but it feels dead. Like, like there are no people around. There's no life to it. Um, which when you're playing a game on your Xbox One, it should have felt like more. I think also the hype for our community, for people, especially if you're listening to the podcast and Elle's talking about it, for example, it's a perfectly suited co-op game because you can both go around and do your own things and not get in each other's way, but you're both getting credit, you're both getting achievements. So for people who enjoy that gameplay, Crackdown is one of the best examples of how that was implemented well. And I think that helped the hype for it at that time. Okay. And there we have it. Our th- selection of 3.5 games. If you guys are listening and have any hot takes on our hot takes, uh, feel free to share them in the community. Speaking of the community, I, as always, went and pulled a bunch of uh, 3.5 rated games from the collections of our staff and patrons and put them together for us to dissect generally speaking there was um kind of not too many super controversial picks here i think we've mentioned it before now when we had really low rated games and then we were seeing like triple a games in in people's low rated games we were kind Mm -hmm. of shocked a little bit by some of those picks and i think maybe with some of the like five star games we might also be similarly shocked by people's Mm -hmm. like what they love what they hate and what they love but what they feel kind of just generally okay with i think a lot of people are kind of broadly in agreement with there was one series that kind of stood out a lot in a lot of people's collections around this kind of 3.5 mark and that was the lego games which i think people kind of generally would agree with i think some people like them a bit more some people maybe like them a bit less but kind of when you average it out i think 3.5 sits kind of nicely that's fair the majority of lego games i think just okay maybe some are a bit better than others uh also kind of like never alone um and maybe yoku's island quite a lot of the kind Mm -hmm. of 
good indie games landed in the 3.5s. The the stuff that um, people say, yeah, that was pretty interesting and pretty good. Stuff like Carrion, Octodad, Limbo turned up a few times, um, things like that. It was weird. There was one game that turned up a lot in people's collections that was 3.5, which I kind of was like, oh, I keep seeing this. Why is that? And that was Metro 2033. A bunch of people said that that was... So I'm just looking now. Freaky Row, Arutek, Hawkeye Berry. So three or four people said Metro 2033 is a 3.5, which I seem to remember enjoying quite a lot. It's not the best post-apocalyptic shooter in the world. But yeah, I'd be interested to hear what those guys uh, have to say about why that landed at 3.5 for them. It's it's hard because like you said, it's it's a, a completely defensible position. To be like, ah, oh, three point five. Like, I'm not gonna like call anybody out for like, ah, oh, you didn't think this masterpiece was as good to you. Yeah, and I think that kind of lines up with with Michelle's kind of assessment of of Celeste as well, where 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 something that some people will say is great, other people say it it wasn't as great for me as maybe you think it was, but it was still good. Yeah, most of what I'm seeing here is games where I've rated it significantly different, but yeah, I respect what, like. Uh, Mental Knight gave Blur a uh, 3.5. Like, that was a five-star game for me. I loved Blur. I played so much Blur. But I understand why it would Way be a 3.5 game. Like, I, I get it. <laughs> I totally get it. Um, and mm-hmm. there, and there's a lot of that. Even, like, Walking Dead Season 1 that Eruteric rated a 3.5. I think for a lot of people that hit higher. And there's lots of discussion that be, can be had about when you played it. Did it have the same impact on you? But I don't think a 3.5 is an indefensible position. It, it, nothing makes me like go, whoa, why would somebody think that? Like a lot of Assassin's Creed games I notice are on here mm-hmm. of yeah, different yeah. types. Layers of Fear shows up on more than one person's list. And again, totally defensible. Completely understand mm. why that rating would be there, even if it doesn't necessarily match what I my takeaway was. Yeah, I, th- I think I think you're entirely right. Like um, Saban, who I think we've picked on a few times, who, mm-hmm. who rated some AAA games as very, very low, surprisingly, kind of has a whole heap of stuff in here. Saints Row 3, Darksiders, Hellblade, Brutal Legend, Red Dead Redemption, uh, Elder Scrolls Obri- Oblivion, which some people would say are all, you know, for them, mm-hmm. four or five, five-star games. But I'm not going to blame him for putting a 3.5 on that. Because uh, right. that was his experience, and he thought it was good. Right. Except for Red Dead Redemption. I love that game like a son. I know, I know. I, I, <laughs> that's a five-star game for me, too. That's, that's a five-star game for most sensible, reasonable people. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not having a go at him. I'm not saying he's crazy. <laughs> well, as, as someone who generally doesn't enjoy Rockstar-produced games, Red Dead Redemption always surprises me that I do. So given that I'm also the same person that like a Grand Theft Auto game for me is a non-starter. I'm like not even going to try it because I've never enjoyed one. Like I can get why if you're looking to play it objectively and and you just don't like the game type or maybe you just don't like the character, you could, a 3.5 is still a good score. It's still solid, but it's not mm-hmm. the top tier mm-hmm. for you. I totally get it. And on the flip side of that, I also didn't see anything that I thought was complete and utter rubbish being Mm -hmm. rated particularly highly. Uh, There was a couple of where I was like, really? Like, (laughs) L, Big L, who has rated some like AAA games as like ones and twos, had put uh, NCIS as a 3.5. Now, I haven't (laughs) played NCIS, but from what I recall, people generally thought it was one of the worst of the CSI type 
telltale detective point and click games NCIS I think is generally regarded as pretty poop uh, but he liked it you know El just really loves Mark Harmon <laughs> and can't get enough of that guy it's just a, that's an insider secret I didn't want to out him as a Mark Harmon fan but here we are <laughs> Well, I think that's all we're going to cover on our 3.5s. If you want to talk about any of your rated 3.5s or any that we've pulled up on here, then feel free to discuss them in the Discord. Otherwise, we will see you hopefully soon for our four games, the really good games. I have been Chewy on Ice. I'm continuing to be Vulgar Latin. And uh, still Matrock. And we are the Master Raters. <laughs>